As he's leaving for work, Patrick Monahan finds a coconut at the front door of his home. The date is January 3rd, 1976. Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike our way through Wikipedia. I am your host, Tim, and with me tonight are my lovely coconuts. Hi, I'm I'm Sky. Uh, I'm supposed to go second. Yeah, it's fine. I'm Kyle. I'm also a coconut, I guess. Yes. Ky- Kyle Canut? Nope. Mm, no. <laughs> what we do here on We Should Know Better is we head from one page on Wikipedia to a goal destination in a sort of race, clicking from link to link to get there. So where Sky and Kyle are going to be traveling tonight is from the Wikipedia page Death by Coconut. What? To the goal destination Plot Device. Death by Coconut to Plot Device. I'm... Hmm. Okay. Where? So to decide who is going first tonight... Uh, I have devised a little thought experiment. Uh, I think it is well established uh, the importance of the coconut to uh, the function of society and the world. Right. And I would like each of you to imagine how the course of human events could have changed in a very significant way with the introduction of a coconut somewhere in mm. the event. Mm. So please describe to me a way in which a coconut could have changed the world as we know it. Sky, do you uh, want to go first or second? Uh, I can go first, if you want. Sure. All right, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. As he's leaving for work, Patrick Monahan finds a coconut at the front door of his home. The date is January 3rd, 1976. Patrick asks his wife Judy about it, but she says she knows nothing about it and takes it. It's so strange. Coconuts are definitely not in season. Judy will ask their daughter Susie about it when she wakes up for school. Patrick kisses his wife goodbye, and she reminds him that he needs to pick up some milk today and to not forget again. As Patrick leaves the driveway, he goes back and forth in his head whether to get the milk after work or before. He decides that he'd rather come straight home after work, and it's a chilly enough day in the small town of Arkansas that the milk it's not, the town isn't named arkansas it's a small town in arkansas right, that right. the milk will stay cold in his buick he heads to the grocery patrick gra- grabs a gallon of milk and waits in line at the checkout it's unusually busy today lots of people shopping after the new year holiday and the store seems a little short-staffed when it's patrick's turn to check out the cashier smiles at him she recognizes him from somewhere but she can't quite place it in her hesitation she fumbles a slipper, slippery jug in her hands i ooh, i'm gonna reword that in the second draft it tumbles off the counter and explodes sending milk up patrick's pants as the cashier calls to have the mess cleaned up a balding man john uh mcclean who's waiting in line two places behind patrick gets fed up he's already he was already late and was almost ready to leave without getting his cigarettes anyway and this was just too much he heads back into the cold and gets into his car john drives to his home office greets his secretary, and settles down at his desk. He just needs to wrap up a few simple but timely matters. Then he can go back uh, on recess. He reaches into his breast pocket and, f- and feels around for the pack of Marl- Marl- Marlboros. Marlboro. I can never say that word. Mm-hmm. I should have just said cigarettes. That is mm-hmm. not there. 
He heads out and asks Susan, his secretary, if she happens to have any cigarettes. She doesn't. He knows Carl next door will. He takes a little break before getting to work or before starting work to shoot the breeze with him. Uh, he heads next door to Carl's uh, barber shop. Carl does have doesn't have any customers at this hour per, per usual. Too late for the early birds and too early for the working men. Carl greets him and says, "Of course he has some smokes." He and John take a break out back of the shop. When John returns to his building, the secretary informs him that there was a call from a Miss Barbara Ringer, and she leaves. The, she left the details on his desk. He thanks Susan and returns to his office. He sees the memo and sets it to the side. It can wait until Congress is back in, sec- in session. <laughs> he finishes signing the paperwork t- he came to do, takes it to Susan, and tells her that she can leave for the day, too. Okay, so we'll cut this short. <laughs> John, John... No, no, please, please Mc- continue. McLean this is very good. is a state senator from Arkansas who introduces the Copyright Act in 1976 to the floor. Barbara Ringer is the champion of the act and led the creation of it. Due to the coconut and being reminded by his wife again, Patrick goes to the grocery in the morning instead of forgetting to do so, leading to John missing the call from Barbara and failing to get in contact with her after the recess. She wanted a segment of the bill reworded to seem less harsh and exceptional and to focus only on things like publishers and librarians journals and to leave out any mention of the mainstream press or media. Without this amendment made, the act is seen for what it is by the House, which votes it down after Senate approval. Without this act, major media corporations like Disney no longer have exclusive rights to their properties for as long as they do in our reality, and Disney doesn't become the monopoly it is today. Instead, there are extremely creative works by artists using Mickey Mouse, Simba, Captain America, Spider-Man, all the Star Wars characters, and more. With control completely at the discretion of the artists who can actually make money off of these works, there's a renaissance in media with some films, comics, books, and art that will be seen as incredibly influential and transformative with the artists getting their due recognition. That's 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 what I have for you. I'm sorry. Bravo. I went and got a drink. Uh, did you go yet, Sky? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dis- Disney sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That. Uh, oh. Okay. My. That was well, wow. That was inspired. That uh, was amazing, Sky. I I tip my hat to you. If I were wearing a hat, I, hold on. I'm going to tip my headset to you. Thank you. Um, well done. Um, yeah, mine is nowhere near as robust. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do appreciate that you chose a similar venue as, as, as I in terms of something that's happening in the more recent history, because I was trying to think back and I was like, we could go with like the French Revolution and have them be like, no, let them eat coconut or like a like you have the American like the Revolutionary War, like. Uh, instead of having trying to cross the Delaware on you know, like coconut husks or something like that, like that's silly and all, but I didn't think that hack, that actually would have as much of a cultural impact as what I actually decided to go on, which is uh, when uh, going back even just a couple of years uh, in our in our much more recent cultural history uh, to when one Guy Fieri first ran into uh, the the greasiest most ridiculous hamburger he's ever had and a light was sparked in his in his mind and instead what if he discovered coconuts whereas we would have uh where whereas before he would be he was all about the uh in this other timeline uh he's all about the the greasiest the 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 most uh the most heart-stopping uh 
I mean, terrible for you, but delicious, you know, in, in their in their awful way. Uh, burgers and, and, you know, diners. Uh, how is it? Uh, di- diners, di- drive-ins and dives. There you go. Instead of, instead of that, uh, you would have kitchens, canteens, and coconuts. Uh, because he would just be excited about those. And, and uh, it the... And uh, trying to spread the love of the coconut far and wide uh, as the mayor of Coco City. Um, and uh, I just think that this is, I think that that would change the fabric of our, of our American culture uh, in, in a way that, uh, that, you know, the humble coconut could only be, only be expected to do. Okay. I have a question. <laughs> I have a question for each of you. Shoot. Uh, Sky, if. Uh, if Senator Senator Monahan, Monahan or Moynihan? Uh, good question. Either way, you can just, you can make it up. Yeah. If the senator yeah. gets Mc, milk Mc, McLean. on the way to work, where did where does he keep it cold? Tim, he's not getting the milk. Patrick <laughs> Monahan was. He's not the senator. So there's Patrick Monahan. Oh, and then there's John McLean. And I did cover that. Um, when he's I know I was as Patrick Patrick leaves the driveway, he goes back and forth in his head whether to get the milk after work or before. He decides that he'd rather come straight home after milk or after milk. <laughs> and it's a chilly enough day in this small town in Arkansas, because it's it's January third, uh, that the milk will stay cold in his Buick. I had to think about that. Actually, I was like, wait, I have to get him there in the morning. But what do you pick up in the morning that you wouldn't pick up at night? And like what oh no. So yeah. It's- Sky, I appreciate your professionalism. I I noticed that when you said it, and I was like, "Oh, that's a good note. That's very good." Mm-hmm. I'm so, I, I apologize that I missed oh, it's that. Fine, <laughs> I was throwing a lot at you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will uh, admit that I could not verify that the senator smoked. He did have to get a pacemaker installed later in life, but I know that's not that's that's not any, like anything like that's heart. You know, even so, but I figure everyone back then kind of yeah smoked culturally. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, Kyle. Yes, uh, is is Coco City one word or two? Uh, it is a single word, and it's a state of mind. Okay. What if <laughs> what if people accidentally like pronounce it Cocosity? I Guy Fieri would be fine with that, and in fact, does so occasionally. Or when when he's been asked about this uh, in interviews, he says it doesn't matter because it's in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay this is this is this is much harder than i imagined it would be what did you imagine we were going to do <laughs> i didn't i didn't imagine a novella <laughs> i'm sorry it's That's all so right good. it was definitely a welcome surprise okay i was so excited about that i i the thing is sky i want you to know i very nearly did a, an illustration for this one too so it would have been your novella versus my illustration <laughs> Oh, nice! Uh, I I, I, did, I ran out of time to do it, or but I was going to. I, I am. I think I will have to go with Sky's audiobook. Absolutely, yes. Uh, for this one, because that that was above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yes. Very well done, Sky. Thank you. So you get to start tonight on Death by Coconut. Does Great. it fe- does it feel good to finally be able to use your your actual degree again for a little while? Oh like, man, really and truly stretch your legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm honestly a little surprised that there's no like disambiguation on this page. Like, 
for the yes. Jimmy Buffett tribute band, see Death right. by Coconut. Is that a real thing? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the the hard metal, like the the death metal, uh, Jimmy Buffett tribute band. That's that's got to be a real thing. Boatrix. <laughs> uh, oh man, wasting away in Margaritaville is going to be a whole different meaning with that. Um, yeah. Uh, what about um, like desserts? There's, I mean, there's lots of death by chocolates, but I mean, I imagine there's a couple that are death by coconuts, maybe. So I, just on a whim, I searched Jimmy Buffett death by coconut. Thank you. Yeah. Not much shows up. He does have a song called Coconut Telegraph. Sure. It's um, not like an awful pina colada, like a super coconutty pina colada at his, his restaurants. Um, that seems like what it would be. That, that would Not- probably be. That probably makes sense. There's. I also found a 2017 article at al.com, uh, like the Alabama news. Um, we ranked 307 Jimmy Buffett songs. Oh my god! What's your favorite? Uh, Is that just it? Yeah. Oh okay. Uh, I went and searched for uh, the Jimmy Buffett metal bands. <laughs> uh, and I found instead a a link uh, or a collection from Fine Art America of metal prints, metal uh, like posters that are Jimmy Buffett inspired. And I don't understand why they have to be met. Why are these? What do you need a metal poster for? Is that a is that a real thing? Do people do this? Mm. I mean, because there's stuff as far as like the yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere or the margaritaville one but then there's also ones that are just like what look like candid pictures of him with like his autograph on it i guess <laughs> which you which you can buy for 57 dollars. i mean that's not not a bad deal that is that is a good yeah i mean you could like paint over that <laughs> and you have a nice <laughs> a nice different metal sign yeah Coconuts falling from their tree and striking individuals uh, cause serious injury to the back, neck, shoulders, and head. That sentence is not relevant to death by coconut. Um, they <laughs> say that they can potentially be fatal, and that is. Like, man. Oh, very good. What would Jimmy Buffett do? Mm-hmm. Just a rock. Like, what? <laughs> I, it's just a soapstone, basically, and, you know. Weird. Uh, following a 1984 study on injuries due to falling coconuts... Exaggerated mm-hmm. claims spread concerning the number of deaths by falling <laughs> coconuts. Uh, according to urban legend, uh, they kill a few people a year. Uh, this l- legend gained momentum after the 2002 work of a noted expert on shark attacks. It was characterized as saying that falling coconuts kill 150 people each year worldwide. Uh, oh yeah, it's, contract- it's contrasted to the shark deaths per year, which is about five. Right. Um, this led local officials in Australia to remove coconut trees from beaches in 2002. Uh, one newspaper dubbed coconuts the killer fruit. Uh, his, historical, I thought that said hysterical reports. <laughs> historical reports well. of actual death by coconut. Nevertheless, dates back to the 1770s, back to Greek and Roman times. Oh my coconuts, gosh. No. No, coconuts <laughs> also played a lethal role in the South Pacific during World War II. I don't think that means to what published they accounts, think it is. As Japanese forces weaponized the tropical fruit by turning them into coconut bombs filled with acid and a hand can and a hand grenade oh okay that's that's different than i thought yeah i thought they meant like the coconuts were part of the the armed forces like yes 
the the trees themselves were like, no, we're <laughs> sorry. Go on. There is a sign here, and it's terrific. Like I thought it was good, and then I realized it's terrific because you, listener, you need to go to Death by Coconut on the wiki. First image you see yeah. the sign says mm-hmm. "We're Falling Coconuts" um, in Japanese. I think two different ways. Um, yeah, it's English and Japanese two different ways. And then um, uh, <laughs> I like that the con- that first kind of must be coconut, and the, la- the next one is because that second one is like fall. So it's just coconut fall. Beware, <laughs> um, coconut falls. Uh, the great thing about this is the coconuts are not falling straight down; they are falling no. at an angle, like they're like like they're shot out from the tree. Yeah. The family being launched. There's there's like stick figure families or you know like road sign families, road sign people. Yeah. Um and the best part is there's a child, there's uh, a woman and there is a man and the man has a lollipop. I did not realize that. It's a lollipop. I know I wasn't even going to mention this sign and then I noticed the lollipop and I was like, "No, we have to cover this." Tim, I actually saw the lollipop and I was like, oh, this is why Tim had to start here tonight because no, this is clearly the weirdest thing he's seen in a week. No, this was just naturally a intriguing article to me. Incredible. I did not really pay much attention to the sign. I was more enthused by the, by the excellent content. <laughs> um... I'm looking at this. Let's see. There's there's documented occurrences of this happening. Oh my gosh. Um, there's a whole background about it says coconut fruit comes from the coconut palm. Yeah, it's like up to three meters or ninety ninety eight feet. That is very tall. Anything coming from you that that far up is gonna be bad. It's like terminal velocity at that point. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Search paper. We kind of already covered that. Uh, exaggerated claims by the deaths. Already kind of covered this. It's just going into more detail about that. Looks like. Um, yeah, this guy who compared it to sharks like really messed everything up for everyone, I think. Um, well. Uh, in April 1983, a coconut was cited as a cause of death of a female goose-beaked whale. The husk from a coconut became lodged in its oh, intestine. No. Mm-hmm. And the whale beached itself on a sandbar. Oh, that's sad. I was hoping... Like, I guess that is death by coconut. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I was I like, mean, how did this, when I, I read like the first part of this, I'm like, how did this whale get hit by a coconut? <laughs> no, it's bad. Uh, there are, I mean, these are all variations on a theme. So they're very, they're, mm, the, the 1923 one, uh, a Newcastle, Pennsylvania man was killed while trying to crack open a coconut with the butt end of a loaded revolver. Cool. The gun discharged and the man was shot in the abdomen, which, mm. I mean, man. Uh, yep. I like that. There's a a subheading here called "Coconuts and the Law." <laughs> yes. What? Deaths and injuries resulting from falling coconuts have been the subject of several legal proceedings that have been covered in the media. In 1956, the city of Miami paid three hundred dollars to a woman after a coconut fell from a city-owned tree and struck her in the foot. In justifying the award, wow. the city attorney explained that the city was allegedly on notice of the danger because, quote, a reasonable man would assume it was about to fall when it turns brown, unquote. Sure. Yeah. Tim, I see what you've done. Hmm. I scrolled a popular culture. I, yep. I see it. Yep. Yep. 
in the Kirby video yep, game we, series. I don't think we need to talk Explosive about Explosive current cargots are a recurring obstacle that usually falls from trees. Tim, did you add this? I did not. Because I did not add this needed. one. You, you sure? Yes, absolutely sure. I don't. I don't believe the you. only the only Kirby reference I've ever added to Wikipedia is in the Snowman. I remember page. the freezes. Is it still there? On that. Do we know. You should check. I'm checking right now. I don't want the I... Snowman 2017 film. No, I'll try to put Kirby in Who? that too. Someone. Oh yes, okay, my, this... my finest. My finest work of published writing. The Kirby series of video games often includes a large-eyebrowed snowman enemy named Chili. So good. Wait, wait. So is he large or is the or are the eyebrows? It is large large hyphen eyebrowed. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. Sir, sorry. He's got it covered. Yeah. (laughs) It talks about Donkey Kong Three. How dare I? Talks about (laughs) Keith Richards underwent surgery and hospitalization for brain injury. Some uh, erroneously. Uh, made reports uh, blamed the injury on having been conked by conked by coconuts. Um, he had not that the coconuts had not caused the injury. He climbed a dead tree and had and had fallen from the tree. <laughs> not as but that's <laughs> not the thing that needs the citation. No, that's just the <laughs> thing. Uh, they talk about SpongeBob SquarePants here. Um, I. Man, so we're going to plot device, huh? Mm-hmm. That's right. They mentioned Gilligan's Island here. They, that injury mm-hmm. was featured. There's a falling coconut hit him on the nose. Uh, uh, actor Bob Denver explained the success of the series as follows. Little kids seem to love it. It doesn't take a great intellect or reasoning power to be able to <laughs> laugh at a monkey running off with Gilligan's dinner or a guy <laughs> getting conked on the head by a coconut. Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, um, I'd still rather watch that than Seinfeld. Yeah, when Denver died, the show's creator, uh, Sherwood Schultz, said that Denver didn't get enough credit for his talent as slap as a slapstick actor. A lot of people think it's hard to be think a lot of people don't think it's hard to be an actor where all you have to do is react to a falling coconut, and that's the whole quote. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I mean, that does that is a reaction. <laughs> that is you know. Yeah. In the film Castaway, the stranded character played by Tom Hanks is alarmed several times by large, loud thuds, <laughs> which he cannot identify. Finally, sees a coconut fall, making the sound. How do you think the 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 like the screen test for that went? Like, all right, so you're hearing loud thuds, but they're not that loud. It's actually just the sound of a coconut. But you, Can you don't make know the that. face for it. Yeah. But you don't know that. But you know you're a you're a a normal person who has heard like you you're an adult, so you've heard like things of different sizes you know this is not alarming but it is a coconut sized thud please please you know please let us show show us with the emotion behind that the alarm that you're that you're feeling when you hear several times loud thud thuds that you cannot <laughs> identify that are in fact coconuts yep those coconuts uh which one of these things is going to have the most plot devices is it gilligan's island or is it the castaway um Hmm. I'm going to click on Gilligan's Island because I'd rather talk about that. How dare you? What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> How I thought dare you were sticking you up for Skyler. Tom Hanks for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> no, I don't want to click on it. You don't have to. You can do something else. Oh, my gosh. You come to this podcast and you... <laughs> um, uh, 
listener, you know of my, if you don't know by now, uh, you, you should know of my distinct dislike for, for one Tom Hanks. Um, I am not going to click on uh, <laughs> Castaway. I still don't understand why, Kyle. He is the everyman. Well, like, literally, know, the everyman. Yeah, well, he's played gay people a couple times in not great situations in movies, and I, I have a lot that's of reasons legit. not to dislike him, but but that's a real, that's a big one for me, I'll say. Oh, okay. Because um, he, he does think he can be everyone, and he can't. Yeah, not great. Take it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I do not want to... Uh, I really wanted to click Gilligan's Island. Um, you still have Kenneth Lay. I, I was looking at that, actually. Enron CEO, uh, who was not killed be... by a coconut. He said... Wait. Stated... Oh, my gosh. That is a plot device, though. It says, Kenneth Lay stating he testified that he'd sustained amnesia after being struck in the head by a falling coconut. And as a result of the injury, was unable to recall the events during that occurred during his time at Enron. I mean, he, oh, that, he didn't mm. just just for the listeners at home. He he didn't actually say that. Newsweek ran a satirical article oh, saying sorry, that he I said that. I don't think that would be an admissible statement oh, in a court yeah, of law. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I will stand. Yeah, I stand corrected. I well, didn't I, read the first part of that. Sentence. I did have I, all those records is, in my mind, but uh, Tim, I went to Hawaii. Tim, <laughs> Big old coconut hit me on the noggin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, like this is this is the level of of what media has done to me recently. Is that I read that and took that seriously for a second because, like, of course, oh yeah, nothing's nothing's weird anymore. Everything's <laughs> everything's terrible. Nothing's nothing's weird anymore. Uh, um. <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants probably has a lot of plot devices, but the thing that I'm honestly thinking of, um, all right, where did I see this? There's the Ignoble Awards, uh, <clears throat> that are uh, prizes for uh, research that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if I can get something because a lot of those rely on like jokes and like in or like. What you or uh, what you might expect, uh, rather than you know what what is actually true. I think I'm going to click on that because some of those are based on things that essentially are plot devices. Okay, so I'm going to click ignoble award. Ignoble award. All right, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island. I like I like this show. I used to watch it on Nick and Night all the time. Uh, oh, totally. Fine. Show. Oh, you need to stop, Kyle. <laughs> Nope. Stop we'll, sending we'll me metal it. posters of Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> of Jimmy Buffett. I will not do that. I will continue doing this oh, the whole no. show. There's just, do why does remember? one just say, what would Jimmy Buffett do? And it's just above like one of those weird, porous yeah. rocks you find at the beach. Yeah. Do you, like, do, are they asking, remember... what would Jimmy Buffett do with that rock? <laughs> I mean, maybe he would... Maybe it would be nice, like, uh, pumice stone for him that he could get rid of mm-hmm. his calluses. I mean, yeah. He's got a lot of options. Jimmy Jimmy has a lot of options. Maybe he would grate cheese with it. So anyway, how, Gilligan's Island. How Gilligan's Island works is there's a bunch <laughs> of people on the SS Minnow. Uh, there's a three-hour tour. Storm. 
Gilligan oh, yeah, messes everything up to get rescued. And that's that's basically how it works. Um, what uh, Bob Denver said about, you know, kids liking it, that was me. I was young and I was like, <laughs> this is fun. Look at him, haha, get hit by a coconut. Great. Maybe he'll, maybe he they'll was. finally. And I was also like, maybe they'll finally get off this time. Like, I got to watch this episode because I haven't seen it. And maybe this is the one they get off the, the island. Um, yeah. I actually don't know if there is an episode where they do that. I guess we can. Uh, there's a movie. In um, fact. Yeah, oh, they do it in a movie. According to this article, the show was canceled unexpectedly. Yeah. I so they that. did not have a series finale officially to it. Yeah. However, they did have a spinoff. Oh, no. Called. What was the spinoff? Gilligan's Planet. Nope. Yep. Oh no! I already know the plot. He gets on a spaceship and and they're doing a tour and like An he's on a, it's lost in space in a version in a follow up to the new adventures of Gilligan. The castaways escape from the island by building a spaceship and get shipwrecked on a distant planet. Only twelve Amazing. episodes aired on CBS between September eighteenth, nineteen eighty two, and September third, nineteen eighty three. In the episode Look, Let Sleeping Minnows Lie, they travel to an island, get shipwrecked there, and Gilligan observes, first we were stranded on an island, then we were stranded on a planet, and now we're stranded on an island on a planet. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Earth's still a planet. I, yeah. I will give them props. That is a way to one-up that joke. Like That's not the worst I've ever heard. No, I kind of want to look this show up on YouTube now and just feel that pain. Wash over me. <laughs> Typical plots. Uh, they desperately want to leave the remote island. Various opportunities frequently present themselves, but always fail, usually due to Gilligan being bumbling. Uh, sometimes it would result in Gilligan, 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 Gilligan saving the <laughs> others from some unforeseen flaw in their plan. Uh, most episodes use one of five recurring plots. Life on the island. Running gag of the castaway's ability to fashion a vast array of useful objects from bamboo and other local material. Um... Visitors to the Uncharted Island. One challenge to a viewer's suspicion of, of disbelief is the remarkable frequency with which the island is visited by an assortment of people who repeatedly fail to assist the castaways in leaving the island. Then there's dream sequences in which one of the castaways dreams he or she is in some, char- in some character related to the week's storyline. Um, all the castaways appeared as other characters within the dream. In later interviews and memoirs, nearly all the actors stated that the dream episodes were among their personal favorites. A piece of news concerning the castaways arise from the outside world and causes discord among them. <laughs> the mm. appearance or arrival of strange <laughs> objects, such as a World War II mine, a crate of radioactive vegetable seeds, or a Mars rover that the scientists back in the United States think is sending them pictures of Mars. Okay, I kind of want to watch this episode. <laughs> that sounds good. This actually mm-hmm. sounds great, yeah. Um, most of the slaps at comedic sequences between Hale and Denver were heavily inspired by Laurel and Hardy, so this is Gilligan and the Skipper. Uh, particularly by Hale breaking the fourth wall by looking directly into the camera, expressing his frustration with Denver's clumsiness, as Oliver Hardy often did. Yeah, I remember that. I thought it was funny because I was a kid. So does that make, like, The Office, like Gilligan's Island, but just in a workplace? I think so. Well, I mean, it makes makes The Office, Laurel, and Hardy in a workplace. Yes. Fair. I suppose. Which I suppse makes Buster makes them Buster Keaton, which makes... And and back and back First and back we and back. Keaton, it's, and then we it's <laughs> it's turtles all the way down, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going to click on running gag. I'm hoping that will 
Oh, there's dream sequences here, though. Plot device. Ooh. Plot device. A dream sequence is probably more plot device-y. Dream sequences. Dream oh, good. I'm, sequence. I'm so glad you're doing that. That sounds that sounds amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to that page because this one isn't as fun as I thought it would be. It's still fun. Uh, the Ig Nobel Prize is a, is a satiric, which I misread initially as satanic, prize awarded annually since 1991 to celebrate 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. Its stated aim being to honor achievements that make people laugh. First make people laugh, and then and then make them think. <laughs> the, the name of the, the award is a pun on the Nobel Prize, which it parodies, and the word ignoble, um, the, organized by a science, scientific humor magazine, Annals of uh, Improbable Research. The Ig Nobel uh, Prizes are presented by Nobel laureates in the in a ceremony at the Sanders Theater, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, 1991, they were like, hey, guys, how do we get people to talk about science? And some other people were like, hey, get them to laugh about it because, you know, people like that humor stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, – Initially, there were award awards were rep- presented at that time for discoveries that quote cannot or should not be reproduced. Um, ten prizes are awarded at, at every year in many categories, including uh, physics, chemistry, physiology, medicine, uh, literature, and peace. But also such uh, categories such as public health, engineering, biology, and interdisciplinary research. Um, it does apparently recognize actual achievements, um, with the exception of uh, hold on. Genuine achievements, with the exception of three prizes awarded in the first year to fictitious scientists. Oh, wow. I need to remember these names to to use these for something. Josiah S. Carberry, Paul DeFonte, and Thomas Kyle. Those are all pretty good names. That's citation needed, by the way, which if you're a fictitious scientist, how can you cite it? Hmm. Um, this is a this is circular reasoning, uh, which I feel like the Nobel Prizes would probably appreciate. Anyway... Uh, there are, yeah, the awards are sometimes criticism via satire, as in awards given for homeopathy research, prizes in science education for their stance regarding the teaching of evolution, and then the prize awarded to social text after the SoCal, SoCal affair. Um, yeah, basically, they're jokes. Uh, they're either uh, scientists taking shots at people who should know better or um, jokes, um, like ex- examples range from the or uh, uh, jokes that teach people that science is more difficult than it sounds, uh, as well. Uh, examples range from the discovery that present that the presence of humans lead tends to sexually arouse ostriches, <laughs> to the statement. Oh, that, that's list that's that's linked. Hey, uh, to the statement Flattered. that black holes fulfill <laughs> that black holes fulfill all the technical requirements for being the location of hell. Uh, to the research of the five-second rule, uh, a tongue-in-chief. I really like that they explained this like a like a like a human would would do so. The five-second rule: a tongue-in-cheek belief that food dropped on the floor will not become contaminated if it is picked up within five seconds. <laughs> Guys, that's cited. <laughs> oh wow! To what though? Oh, okay. It's just cited to the Ig Nobel prizes. Oh, all right. I was gonna say. Oh wow. Um. So, Sir Andre Gein, who, who had been awarded... Oh, yeah, of course, Tim. Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Um, Sir Andre Gein, who had been awarded a Ig Nobel Prize in 2000 
for levitating a frog by magnetism. Heck yeah. Was... <laughs> I have so many questions. Was awarded a Nobel Prize in Physics for 2010 in his, for his work with graphene. He's the only individual, as of 2019, to re- received both a Nobel and Ig Nobel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, anyway. So one yeah, other thing are, in the ceremony... He's not the only person associated with this who has gotten a Nobel Prize. Oh. Uh, so throwing paper planes onto the stage is a long-standing tradition. For many years, Professor Roy J. Glauber swept the stage clean of the airplanes as the official keeper of the broom. Glauber could not <laughs> attend the 2005 awards because he was traveling to Stockholm to claim a genuine Nobel Prize in physics. Wow. That's very good. Beautiful. Um. Uh, so there's yeah there's just a lot going on with this and i appreciate um yeah uh like they're they they know what they're doing it's very good uh two books have been published with the write-ups on some winners the uh ig Nobel prize and then the ig Nobel prize two which was later retitled the man who tried to clone himself um huh. yeah oh goodness uh yeah one of the other studies and mentions here showing that malaria mosquitoes oh, wait it actually, yeah, this actually was a real thing. Uh, like, it discovered something actually useful by accident. A, dis- a study discovering that malaria mosquitoes, it, uh, one of the malaria mosquitoes is attracted equally to the smell of Limburger cheese and the smell of human feet, earned the Nobel Prize in the year of biology. But, um, as a direct result of these findings, traps baited with cheese have been placed in strategic locations in some parts of Africa to combat the epidemic of malaria. That's cited twice. Well, That's really go. good. So, um, yeah, I mean, these guys are... I mean, I appreciate what they're doing. And I'm, I'm glad they do it. I, I just... I really don't think... I, I, I'm going to cautiously say we should not make it easier for people to laugh at science. Um, but also, I'm glad we get to laugh sometimes at science because, again... The media landscape is is terrible. So, yes. Um, I'm going to click on... I have a lot of options here uh, that are a little bit weird. I was... I kind of got what I was after in terms of, like, stuff that people kind of expect one way or the other or, you know, jokes. Common jokes. I was hoping for something like running gag. uh, Which Which was almost in there, yeah. Yeah, I know. Running jokes is listed here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I'm going to... uh, I'm going to click five second rule because okay. that that's the closest thing I can get to what I actually am trying to get to here. Okay. So, and also because oh, we'll get there. Sorry. Go on. Just the strange thing here. The, the parade of ignitaries into the hall includes supporting groups at the 1997 ceremonies, a team of cryogenic sex researchers distributed uh-huh. a pamphlet titled safe sex at four Kelvin. I just saw that four Kelvin was linked and it just goes to liquid helium. I mean, sure. And it just just causes more questions. Even when things get hot, they still have to, you know, even when they're cold, I guess. You have to be safe. Mm-hmm. All right. Dream sequence. Yeah. Exactly. It's a technique used in storytelling, particularly in television and film, to set apart a brief Kyle, stop the it. main story. We'll not do that. The interlude... Come Monday, I'll be all right. It's all it. It'll be all right, Margaritaville. I'll be holding you tight. Is he? Are they saying he's going to be holding Margaritaville? 
I mean, it's questionable, isn't it? Um, the interlude may consist of a flashback, a flash forward, a fantasy, a vision, a dream, or some other element. Uh, they shed light on the psychological process of the dreaming character or give the audience a glimpse into the character's past. Do you want an example of this? We have a pertinent one. Yes. Uh, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the purpose of Pee-wee's dreams is to inform the audience of its anxieties and fears after losing his bike, citation needed. Other times, major action takes place in dreams, allowing the filmmaker to explore infinite possibilities, as demonstrated in The Science of Sleep. Um, films normally present dreams as visually accessible or objectively observed space, a discrete environment in which characters exist and interact as they do in the world, rather than restricting themselves to this subjective point of view of a dream, uh, of view of a dream, to, sorry, to the subjective point of view a dream is normally experienced from in real life. Uh, like a, like a first person shooter, uh, in the way, in the way films, in this way, films succeed in presenting a coherent dream world alongside the diegetic reality of the film. Oh my gosh. You know that this is a film major writing this now. Um, I was about to say, yeah, it's also possible to retroactively explain past pop plot points. It talks about Dallas. Um, which killed off Bobby Ewing, one of the most popular characters in the show. They decided to bring him back, uh, and they revealed the events between Bobby's death and the end of season nine were all part of a nightmare his wife was having, so don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, the first, just like everything with like the first film, or like the first film to do X, uh, it's contested because a lot of those films back then were lost. But there's three contenders. There's a, um, there's uh Buster Keaton's Sherlock Jr. Um, Ooh. Uh, there's Edwin S. Porter's Life of an American Fire Fireman. And then earlier than that, Let Me Dream Again, which I think wins because it says in it, like, dream. Like, it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna win. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much all this pages. Uh, it doesn't really go into much. Uh, oh wait, no, this is akin to the plot technique, which dream sequence which is the plot device. Plot device no. is here. Is that what we're oh, going to? Oh, no. Wait. Oh no! Is that? I thought I I control F de- device on here. You, this is I, it, right? I think you did it. Dang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's there. This is a plot device. When the entire uh, story has been revealed to be a dream. Sweet. Oh my gosh. I thought I was gonna have to click on storytelling. Wow! Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Whoa. Is that was right? that was very quick. It went from. Coconut to Gilligan's Island. I I was going to say, as soon as we got to Gilligan's Island, I really, I was like, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be the island uh, of the plot devices. Yeah, Yeah. it's basically that. Oh, you know, that thing that's what they do? Oh, yes, that. I just, it's kind of weird that the, the first person sequence of Doom, the film, is cited as like, a good example of a dream sequence. I don't feel like that's true. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but oh well. Someone someone thought it was good. Are there yeah. any good dream sequences in Kirby games? Oh my gosh. I mean, basically it is all a dream sequence. Yeah, what is Dreamland a dream? He is in a dreamland. Who's having this dream? What is where does Dreamland exist? In your heart, it's it's is it is it like the player? It's probably the player. 
It's, I mean, no, it's like Flavortown. Oh. <laughs> Greasy. No, no. <laughs> exploding coconuts. It's, it's in your heart. It's in your heart. Oh no, Kirby's Kirby's so squishy and greasy. Ugh. I mean, again, <laughs> not wrong. Uh, I never want to see like a live action Kirby like they did with uh No, Pokemon. please don't. No. No, no, no. Imagining all those characters. <laughs> very bad. Yeah, don't do it. Did you have anything you wanted to say about your page, Kyle? Uh I just have um I, the only thing that I wanted wanted to share, uh, you know, they, they in the the five second rule, which I mean, uh, long story short, no, you can't, it's it doesn't it's not true. You you can't do it. Uh, there are some some surfaces take less or keep bacteria on it less than others, and so it is more true for some surfaces than others, but. In almost every case, no, it's not true. The thing that I wanted to share with you guys is this really amazing photo of spilled strawberries just on brick. Hmm. Spilled strawberries um, on brick. It's it's really good. Sounds like um, a Jimmy it's Buffett just this song. Image. It really does. That is fantastic. But then also, yeah, isn't that good? But then like it that looks to me like a like that that is a that's a cover for something. Like there's a, a an album or something. You know that's it's definitely definitely something like that. Good job, uh, but it's Rachel uh, oh, it's Blades, so good. The artist, mm. yeah, fantastic. The, the photographer, also known as photographer, yeah. <laughs> the photographer. Ah, <sighs> okay. Plot devices, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or a plot mechanism, if you will. It's a technique and a narrative used to move the plot forward. A contrived or arbitrary plot device may annoy or confuse the reader, causing a loss of the suspension of disbelief. However, a well-crafted plot device, or one that emerges naturally from the setting or characters of the story, may be entirely accepted or may even go unnoticed by the audience. Uh Uh-huh. Examples. In Lost Lost Raiders of the Ark, (laughs) Raiders of the Lost Ark, (laughs) he's trying to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant. In Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, Jones is on search for the Holy Grail. This plot device is also used in Arabian Nights Tale of the City of Brass, in which a group of travelers on an archaeological expedition journey across the Sahara to find a brass vessel that Solomon once used to trap a... Is it the djinn? Or just mm-hmm. the djinn? I guess it's just djinn. Yep. Yeah, djinn. Uh, did you know that Lord of the Rings has plot devices as well? Um, if Does you it? go to destroy the ring, that's, that's a device. Um, Tolkien on a whole gets away from the trick by minimizing the arbitrariness of the ring's plot power and putting more stress than his imitators on the way the ring's power molds the character of its wielder and vice versa. Okay, Nick Lowe, sure. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. He wrote a good book. I got it. Mm-hmm. Pre- pretty racist, but he wrote a good good book. Uh, there's the MacGuffin here. Uh, Deus Machina. Shoulder Angel. Oh, man. <laughs> wow! Red herring plot voucher, yes please, or plot armor. Do you got you guys know what plot armor is, right? Yep. Yeah, when you it's it's the thing that happens when small animals get involved in yes. in uh, like war scenes and movies. Yes, there's also a very good when I was like researching solo journal RPGs <laughs> for the RPG I was making. Oh sure, tabletop sure. RPG. There is a um, there is one by a. Um, 
a creator, I think who goes by DC, uh, and it's called Plot Device. Or, or no, sorry, it's called, not called Plot Device. It's called <laughs> Plot Armor. It's just called that. And it's about yeah. it's it's about like a, a mecha pilot, and it was it was pretty cool. And I thought it was a good name for the that. I was like, oh, this is clever. I do like that. That's good. A plot voucher, as defined by Nick Lowe, the lover of all things Tolkien, is an object given to a character, especially the protagonist, before they encounter an obstacle that requires the use of the object. Uh, an example is a gift received by a character, which later impedes a deadly bullet. Oof. See, also Chekhov's gun. I wish I some so. movies had a plot voucher. Like, Yeah. <laughs> just turn it in, and then your film suddenly has a plot. Yep. They just get to it. Mm-hmm. You guys know yeah. what red herrings are. They want you to focus on one thing, but really, it was this other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typical examples in whodunits. Shoulder angel is neat. Um, shoulder the angel represents uh, conscience is often occupied by a shoulder devil. It's literally just that thing. I thought it would be like more abstract, but they're like, no, it's just. I thought it'd be like <laughs> a character, like a character that foils the the protagonist, like you know, like foil like they're a foil to the protagonist but no it's just like you know like when we put angels and demons on each other's shoulders <laughs> on each other's shoulders i don't know i don't know where i am today but uh usually the angel is depicted on or hovering near the right shoulder and the devil or demon on the left as the left side traditionally represents dishonesty or impurity great mm. amazing uh yeah yeah they're both derived from the concept of the id ego and superego sure um yeah dex machina we know Scandal. <laughs> um yeah and uh mcguffin we know what mcguffins are i mean we we've we've had our share even on this podcast yeah you're just yeah. kind of going after something just so things can happen while you're going after it okay that's plot device i think excellent well um do you have any further uh jimmy buffett uh Images for us to review, Kyle. No, no, I do not. You I sure? really just want oh, a poster man. that's, that's that a really, video. I mean, a really nice looking strawberry. I want that yeah. strawberry video. <laughs> video. <laughs> I wish it was a video. That strawberry image. Just video strawberry. But it says on the top, wasting away, and then on the bottom it says in Margaritaville. Hmm. And then that's the Jimmy kind of poster. You know, there's like that Twitter, um, that Twitter uh, feed that takes. Uh, boomer memes and like crops them. Yes. Oh yeah. I yeah. would just have that wasting away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hope you didn't waste your time with us. Thank you so much for joining good. us today on our journey from uh, Death by Coconut to Plot Device. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a review, we'd be more than happy to uh, see your feedback. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcast. Uh, user that you love uh we'll be happy to see that you can also check us out online at wskbcast.blogspot.com as well as on facebook just search for we should know better and wskbcast on twitter uh is there anything either of you would like to mention tonight before we head out i do have something that i have for you guys and you'll have to give me a second um i uh i have been working on uh you know i've been trying to get more um find more time to do like uh branch out and you know i listen to more podcasts and stuff like that but i always feel bad that i don't read enough books and i came across this new one and i really wanted to share this with you oh no um 
<laughs> Go <What>? ahead. <laughs> I really wanted to share this with you. Yeah. Because it's uh, on the top of the uh, the New York Times bestseller <laughs> list. Uh, this one by uh, some a new author named uh, Rumbi Sanchez. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, Fruit it, it was just a classic immediately. Rumi Sanchez, yes. which totally makes sense to you, listener, because that we recorded that segment. <laughs> didn't. It doesn't make any I sense. I know. I know we didn't, but not. But it's just I. I could not pass it up, Sky. I'm so sorry. Okay. Very good. I'm glad Do we, we want, spent time on this. I mean, let's never explain it though. <laughs> uh I mean, we got to show. We got to show this image now, though. Oh, I'm clear. I'm absolutely going. This to This definitely looks like something you could find on Amazon for like ninety nine cents. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Which is true because I did it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> using using Microsoft Paint, the the yes or whatever they call it now, the three D Paint three D yes. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't know how to end this now, Kyle. Why isn't this called like uh, the coconut at the door? And it's a whole yeah. novel. Uh, it's already written. Dang it! Dang but it's it! Strawberries. <laughs> well, that's the novel, though. That's the thing. That's oh, yeah. I wish I had. No, oh, that's good. If someday, if you cool. listener would like to share your uh, revisionist coconut fiction with us, uh, please, you know, <laughs> please hit us do. up on Twitter. We'd love to hear that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, would we? That, would <laughs> that would be a great. We'll read some of them next time if you guys send them in. Absolutely. Anyone who does, I, I, one thousand, I, I will absolutely do a dramatic reading if I, if we, if we get any. Yep. Yep. All right. Until then, though. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. What the heck? Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I, I did I know I know we didn't use record. I mean that, it, but... it was necessary, but still, what the <laughs> heck? It was very funny. I had to. And the thing is, like, we got to the point like I got to that page and Sky said that he had gotten to you know, he had finished the the, the run, and I was like, I have two minutes tops to <laughs> to to <laughs> decide <laughs> whether <laughs> I want to yeah, no, no, no. To decide whether I want to do this book cover thing or go look for more uh, Jimmy Buffett posters. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going. the The joke that the the more ridiculous joke is the one I have to do. It has to be done. What is and so? What is the best way to use this thirty seconds of my life? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, it is. I this. feel like I did it. <laughs> Truly, I feel like I accomplished yes. it. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, uh, by the way... Well done, um, good and faithful memer. (laughs) 